If y'all know me, there's a reason I'm only on platform twice a year, because I feel all bound up with these mics and stuff. I'm an overalls and t-shirt guy or a comfy PJ guy. So anyway, Pastor Kevin took all my pre-introduction, but I'm going to say it again. How about Pastor Kim? We've got amazing youth, man. I was so encouraged watching our youth just come back from their camp and serving so diligent Friday night. It just, I just sat there and wept watching them. Of course, I weep at commercials, so it doesn't matter. I mean, I think there was a Burger King commercial about cows and meth hanging and I cried. But that was a whole different reason for crying. Um, never mind. Let's go ahead. <laughs> we are talking about the ends of the earth and telling God's message. Um, let's go ahead and get started. This may be the world's Shortest. There we go. Uh, sermon today. Stand with me and let's read the word, will you? Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, we're uh, talking about the ends of the earth. We've been studying... A little bit about the life of Jeremiah through the Bible, obviously, duh, the Sunday school lesson. I know the answer is Jesus, but it looks like a squirrel. So yeah, obviously we've been using the Bible. We've also been using Peterson's book, Run With the Horses. So during Jeremiah's 40 plus years of ministry, we find out that Judah, the southern kingdom, had been dominated by Assyria, <coughs> uh, Egypt, and now we're coming up on Babylon in the northern kingdom. We find out are in exile. And the people are shaking with fear. They don't know what to do. They're panicking. They're having all these distress. And they want a word from the Lord for comfort. And then eventually in Jeremiah's life, he sees the ultimate collapse of Jerusalem and the southern kingdom and the temple. But he remains faithful to be the oracle of God, to be the mouthpiece of the Lord in some difficult times. In fact, he turns down an opportunity. If you'll think about Daniel, when the captivity took place, Daniel was given a place of prominence. Jeremiah was also offered a place of honor in the Babylon reign, but he turned it down to stay back with his people so that he could give them encouragement and hope in the Lord. So God had great plans for Jeremiah. We learned this at the very beginning of our series. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born... I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Before he was even born, God said, before I even formed you, I have plans for you. And they were bigger than Jeremiah could ever imagine. God has plans for you. We're no different than Jeremiah. He has plans for you and me that are far greater than we could ever dream. The psalmist wrote this, how precious are your thoughts towards me. How great, some versions say, how vast the sum of them. If I could count them, that's a big if. If 
I could count them. They would outnumber the sands. How many have ever been to a beach? You might have been to the ocean. Grew up in Carolina, Myrtle Beach had wet sand. I don't like wet sand. I like Florida where there's dry sand. Have you ever gone to the beach, just scooped up a handful of sand and just let it, just a handful, a handful of sand. And the scriptures tell me that his thoughts are more than that. It's just a handful. Do you know how big, how mighty and how great your God is? And how unlimited and unrestricted, young people. You might think nobody cares about you or nobody's thinking about you. Your God, before you were formed, had plans for you. And his thoughts for you are so greater than your mom and dad's. They're greater than your teacher and Pastor James. His thoughts are greater for you, too. And for me, he has things for us that we can't even begin to imagine. Scripture says far greater than we could ask or think or even conceive in our mind. His thoughts are toward us. Peterson says this. If God is understood as being local, a tribal deity, he is misunderstood. And our laws are correspondingly reduced. Jeremiah Jeremiah battled against small-minded religion his whole life. He worked strenuously and imaginally to show the people that they were not the only people that God had dealings with. And that the life of faith necessarily involves us in a worldwide community. What he's saying that God is bigger than just us in this house. He's bigger than just you in your house. Pastor Kevin was alluding to it. Just the things we've been able to do with our tithes and offerings and the giving because of your faithfulness. We've been able to go outside these walls and listen. It's, it's great to have vibrant, thriving ministries within this house to encourage and to minister and to equip us to be better saints of God. That's great. But God's heartbeat, our heartbeat, has got to be other-centered. It's got to be outward-focused. It's got to be for the lost. Look around this room. I'm not talking about COVID. I'm talking just on an average Sunday, the number of seats that we have available to us in this house. And who says we have to have one service? We could eventually grow to two or three or four, whatever God's desire is for us. But here's the deal. I don't want to rob sheep like David did. I want to produce sheep. There is a lost world out there that needs the Jesus that we have. The same Jesus that gives us our provision, that brings our healing and ministers reconciliation in our families. We need to take that Jesus out of this building to those places. And we'll get there in a minute. Peterson says this, it's God's world and God rules it. Our wholeness comes from our participating in what God's doing, not manipulating what we can manage. Then I'll say it again. Our wholeness, our completeness comes from our participating in what God is doing And not manipulating what we manage. What I mean by that, what he means there is 
We need to line up with what God is doing, not make our plans and say, God, come bless our plans. Come fix this and be with this. We need to be hearing from God, what are you doing, God? What do you want us to do? And then he automatically is going to bless it because it's his plans. So our wholeness and completeness and satisfaction comes from participating with God. Talk a little bit about Jeremiah. A prophet, he was also, in some terms, considered a missionary. The highlighted red and all the yellow area, this is the expanse of his outreach for a guy that never left Jerusalem. His ministry covered some 750,000 square miles. From Damascus in the north to Edom in the south is roughly 500 miles. Egypt in the west, all the way to Elam in the east, 1,500 miles. And within that, he addressed oracles to over 10 nations. Ammon, Moab, Kedar, Hazor, Philistia, Egypt, Edom, Elam, Damascus, Babylon, or Blabylon, if you want to, you know, if you're tired and stumbling over your tongue. Peterson says this about Jeremiah in his ministry. Jeremiah took as much care in proclaiming God's word to people he would never see as he did in addressing the people he grew up with and lived with. He bothered to find out the details of their lives. He spoke God's word in relation to the actual conditions of their existence. Do we genuinely care about the lives of other people? Like Jeremiah. I was out this week and we were talking about how you doing? And there was a commercial, how you doing? And all that, or no, it was friends, I think, sorry. How you doing, Joey would say. But do we really care how you doing? Is it just, hey, how are you? You're in a hurry, you're trying to get somewhere, you say, oh, there's so-and-so, hey, how you doing? And you keep on walking. And they're still back there with a broken heart. Because for that split second, in their pain, they thought somebody genuinely cared enough to ask. And they were ready to tell you how they're doing. Well, I'm doing pretty rough. My son or my daughter's hooked on drugs. My wife's had an affair. My baby's sick. See, I can relate to how Nathan and Anna are doing our little baby boy was in NICU for 10 days. We didn't have great insurance. You know how much it cost us for 10 days in NICU? $128,000. I didn't pay my son off and get the rights to him until he was 11 years old. That's a joke. <laughs> the last medical bill we paid on Jeremy, he had just turned 11 years old and we paid the last doctor. How are you doing? Do we really care? See, Jeremiah had invested himself. And he was able to speak a word that would impact the very existence of the lives that would hear it. We need to be so full of the Lord and his word that we can speak a right word 
in a right time for the people around us that it will affect their very existence. Now, Jeremiah wasn't an easy prophet. He had a difficult life. And all of his prophecies weren't necessarily the woohoo, yes and amen. Jeremiah's prophecies were warnings about coming judgments. They were pretty stout. Pretty, uh, you didn't want to see your name on the top of the letter. Dear Alan, and the address is from Jeremiah. You just let us pitch that one. He has some strong things. But in the majority of his letters to the churches, he also brought a word of hope. At the end of some of them, these are what he said. Eventually, the people will live there again. He was talking to Egypt. Yet there's a day that's coming when I'll put things right in Moab with Ammon, with Elam. So even though in the midst of warning and judgment, God used Jeremiah to bring a word of hope. See, there's not one message for those inside and one for those outside. The biblical message is the same for Jew and Gentile. Paul said there's no longer male, female, Jew, Gentile, Scythian, barbarian. We're all one. We're human. We all need the hope, salvation, deliverance, and freedom of God. Failure to heed God's warning will bring judgment. Don't be mistaken. People that are flying by and think they've got it made and everything's good and God keeps sending the word, sending the word, sending the word, and they keep dissing that word and dissing that word. Day's coming. It will bring judgment. But obedience and repentance brings life. So what about us? Let me read you a passage. Yes, yeah, blurry. Comes this out, I didn't think. Let's put these on. I should have had eye surgery like Pastor. 55, and you can't see. <clears throat> the gospel, as such, has no native country. He who goes out humbly with Christ in the world of all races will perpetually discover the multiple but constant relevance of what he takes. It takes a whole world to understand a whole Christ. Reaching out is an act of wholeness, not only for others, but for us. It takes a whole world to understand the whole Christ. Crossing the boundaries and exploring the horizons, whether imaginatively like Jeremiah or bodily like Sariah, demonstrates God's universal love, but it also dis develops our own deepest health. We cannot be whole enclosed in our own habitat. We cannot grow to maturity confined within our own people group, even if we're very orthodox people. We can't grow an oak tree in a barrel. It needs acres of earth underneath and oceans of sky above. Neither can we grow a human being in a narrow sect. No, we cannot be whole human beings if we cut ourselves off from the environment which God created 
and in which he is working. People with faith live in a far larger reality than people without faith. God so loved the world. We often betray this reality. We huddle and retreat. We ignore and even despise outsiders. We collect a few friends who look alike and think alike. And we reject any suggestion that we transcend biological comforts and philosophical securities. We barricade ourselves from visions that expose our prejudices. The most segregated hour every week is 11 a.m. in the American church. We got to do better. We got to do better. He said, God so loved the world. We got to get out of our comfort zone. And we got to be willing to share the hard message, but we got to be willing to bring the message of hope in life. Worship team, if you'll come forward. Told you I had the potential to be short. But maybe you'll remember it. Boy, it's a short message, but... The key here is that you can't do it and I can't do it. We have to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. He says you'll receive power. In other words, we're weak and powerless in our own flesh. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive power. He didn't say you'll become. He didn't say you'll be a. It says you will be witness to me. In other words, your life will be governed by the word. It'll be governed by your prayers. It'll be governed by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And your life will be such that they'll see Christ in you, the hope of glory, and they'll be drawn to you. Listen, if you do just a little bit of hermeneutical historical study, you realize he's talking about a city, one region, another region, the ends of the earth. There's a reason there's a progression. There's a reason there's a progression. You and I are never going to affect 750,000 square miles. Not going to happen. But the principle here is the same. Maybe we can affect 17,049 square miles. Can we reach out to Smyrna, Rutherford County, Middle Tennessee, and then the ends of the world? We're already reaching the ends of the world. We support, thanks to your giving, we support 12 different missionaries around the world, foreign missionaries. Let me make that clear. Because of all the U.S. church's financial giving, 2%, 2% of all the U.S. church's given, according to a 2018 survey, goes to missions, period. You know how much we give? 10 to 12, just like that. We give 10 automatically. We tithe on everything you give. So 10% of your giving in this church automatically goes to missions, foreign missions, Amen. foreign F-O-R-E-I-G-N, foreign missions. 
And then we use funds for the local and outreach stuff. Pastor Kevin said it. We're already at 50,000 in July. Can we get over 100,000 this year? Do you know that last week we turned in a check request for $5,700 to send to Jamaica so they can finish a church building that 43 people go to? But you did that because we have a heart for people. And when those pictures come, they've got walls, now they need a floor and a ceiling. And when those pictures come, we're going to put a little video so you can see what your giving is done. Lord willing, I get to go there in May, depending on all this stuff, and preach in that building again. I preached and it was nothing with just wood walls the first time. And now it could be a church complete to minister to a community of 1,300 people because of you. Pastor, that's too big for me. What about this? Anybody have a neighbor? Do you know their name? Do you know if they're saved? Do you know if they're laying at home this morning doing nothing or at the lake? Or do you know if they love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and spirit? Have you taken a plate of cookies? Banana bread? A welcoming gift and just said, hey, we're the Jansons, we're next door. If you need anything, any help, give me a call. How many houses are on your street? Four? Ten? What about your subdivision? See, we never need to push. The end of the earth is the goal, but the neighbor is the first step. You got to take the first step. I didn't put a slide up here, but I should have because God thought, brought it to my memory last night. Six years ago, I was willing to go one mile from my house. One mile to a little hamburger bar called Chappie's. Because the year before, about 17 bikers bought all the toys for our 13 single parents back in 2014 and fed them. And after it was over, I went to the bar with them. And the guys know what they bring me. My sun drop. They brought my sun drop out. It's in a clear glass, so you know. But they brought my sun drop. And I sat there with them for two hours. And now here we are six years later. And I've been able to love on a guy named Critter. Kevin's his name, but we got so many Kevins, you got to make up names. But Critter and his wife, Melanie, I had the joy and the honor of officiating his daughter's wedding. Critter started telling everybody, he finally started coming. And now he tells everybody, come, you got to come to Rev's church. Now he tells everybody, you got to come to my church. <laughs> my church. Because I went a mile down the road. And now Rob and Terry have been coming almost a year. And I had the joy of baptizing Terry. And big boy, I'm getting you in that water soon. 
God's working in your life, and I see it every day when we're together, and soon you're going to be in that tank with me. You don't want, he wouldn't tell you, he wouldn't tell you. But a lot of the renovation stuff going on in that child's hallway, that man's coming and doing for very little. In fact, most of it, he's been turning it back around to the church because I touched this guy and this guy touched that one. His daughter, Rob's daughter, sitting here with us today. Debbie Smith was going to move back to Arkansas, Oklahoma. But these people reached out to her about their church. And that was who our little unicorn was out there. She went and bought a thing and ministered to your kids. Because I was willing to go a mile. We're not going to cover 750,000 square miles. But as I look around the room, there's maybe 90 to 100 of us. That's 90 square miles for a start. That's not bad. Because when your mile Mike connects with your mile Gary and your mile David and your mile Ken and your mile Deuce, your mile Miss Lisa, when we start connecting our miles, the territory grows. I'm ready to see this house claim Rutherford County for Jesus Christ. I'm ready to start claiming territory. I'm a big boy. I take big steps. I want us to have a footprint that when they hear the word spring house, it's a church that cares. It's a church that loves. It's a church that serves. It's a church that gives. It's a compassionate church. You're welcome here. That starts with us. As the worship team start this song, we have sent we have sent missionaries out of this house before. Jesse Berry, Kurt and Tina Bryson, Seth Brooks, Jordan Boone, and there's probably others before I got involved with it that have gone and served a year, two years, four years on the field to the ends of the earth. I'm not so foolish to think that everybody in this room is going to go spend two years like Pastor Ronnie in Zimbabwe. But there are going to be some in this room who've been to other countries who may have a call on your life and you'll be willing, Lord willing, once this COVID and stuff goes away, we can open countries to go with me on some trips. Some may go for a week. Some of you may go and stay for months. Some may go for a year or two. And Lord willing, there may be some that go for a lifetime. But whether you go out to the ends of the earth or you go to your neighbor, your street, or your subdivision, the challenge remains the same. We've got to go. We got to go. We got to go. As those that are going to serve communion come forward and prepare, just take a minute and pray. Lord, do I know my neighbor? Do I really know my neighbor? Do I know anybody else on my street? If they were in crisis like the ones, would they know to call, come to my house? 
team, if you'll lead. This song that my daughter is about to sing has become our household anthem. And I pray it becomes yours.
for those that may not know, I put that picture and I forget that years ago, my kids were your Pastor Allen's kids or your Commander Allen's kids. Now the roles reversed. I'm Chelsea's dad. Or I'm Jeremy's dad. But um, January 7th of 2021, Chelsea is going to be going with Adventures with Missions program called World Race. It should be going for about a year, 11 months, to 11 different nations serving 11 different ministries around the world. And her course, the way it takes her, she will literally go around the world. She'll leave Nashville, go to Atlanta, fly eastward, and on her journey home, she'll come home through Hawaii and through Los Angeles to Nashville, and she will have literally circled the globe. I'm a pretty proud daddy. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to pray for her daddy. That's my baby girl. I can't, I can get up and go to Rockville and pick her up with a flat tire. I can get up and go to Hermitage. I can't just go to Cambodia and Malaysia and Tibet. So pray for mama and daddy. Pray for Chelsea. God's resourcing her. He's already raised almost 9% of her money. God's resourcing her. But here's what I want you to know from today. God birthed this song in Chelsea. And like I said, it's become our family anthem. Because whether I go around the world or I just go to Chaffee's, I want to be available. I want him to take my mess and my brokenness and make it count for somebody else's life. And he'll do that for you. So would you stand and let me bless you? Lord, here we are. You told your disciples to go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And then when he came upon them, that they would be witnesses to you. Holy Spirit, come upon us. Come upon this house in a way we've never experienced and make us available to our neighbor, to our neighborhood, to our community, to our county, to our state, wherever you send us, God. Let us be on mission for the gospel of Jesus Christ to win the lost and draw them into the kingdom of light. In Jesus' name, go. God bless you.